0: in the building, I'm here with my cohort in crime. You may know him, but I'll let him introduce himself.
1: Man who's a face for radio, Steve the Animal Mitchell, everyone. How's everyone doing tonight? I didn't know if you wanted to keep using that. I used it twice. I didn't want to, you know, keep the shit going. But all right, yeah,
0: he's a man who's got a face for radio. There you go. I try it.
1: I live and breathe
0: it and crap it every day. So we're here, episode 52. Yeah. This one's going to be a good one. This is all you. I'm going to give all the kudos and credit to you on this one. I'll throw some tidbits here and there, but this one is all you. You are manning the ship today.
1: So I'm going to try.
0: Don't do like the Titanic. Don't steer it into an iceberg, okay? That was my
1: first thought. (laughs) You know what? I I really kind of want to steer this thing off the rails. Let's go go as far off the rails today as humanly possible. Completely (laughs) off the rails. So
0: we're here in our new time officially, Friday nights, 7.30. This is when all our new episodes will be dropping, either live or pre-recorded. Today we're live Mm -hmm. because this one deserved live. This one did not deserve a pre-record because there was so much great information today. You put a great package together. So for all our listeners out there, all our fans... This is something that's going to intrigue you. We do want to apologize right off the hop for last week. We had some major audio issues going on last week with our sound effects being higher, our mic. We had the intro problem last week. There was a whole bunch of stuff, but you stuck with us. We appreciate the love. That was a great episode, and we're just building from there. Going off that episode, this is kind of, I guess you would say, an impromptu part two, because we left everyone hanging with a what if. Yeah. And what if has now turned into episode 52, which is today the new kayfabe you're gonna break down all the conspiracy and mind you I just want to keep in everyone informed that we don't have any viable proof on any of this we have researched it we do have some truth to it but this is just our opinion on some possibilities that may have happened in the wonderful world of wrestling much like the Wizard of Oz how much Vinnie Mac has actually pulled back that curtain and how much is implicated or constructed and how much is actually real we all know wrestling is scripted. We do. But there are some some things you gotta sit there and think about. Well, was this a work? Or was this real life? Yeah. And we're gonna discuss a lot of hot button topics over the years of wrestling that made you kind of sit there and scratch your head like, hmm, was it possible? Is but, it possible? That's really the mm. only
1: that's that's the question. Is it, it has nothing to do with, you know, tinfoil hack conspiracy theory stuff, really more than the the fact of if you actually really kind of have that that methodical mind to really take a look at something and you have the ability to have an open mind in question then it gives you the ability to really sit back and look at a lot of this stuff which has happened over the years of really wondering is this possible because it really seems qu- quite frankly it really seems like it, it definitely is possible but however you be the judge we're just going to throw that out there we're going to we're going to throw out the information and then everybody just do with it as they will, and I'm pretty sure also this is just a topic of conversation that that you yourselves have actually even talked about once or twice. If not, if not, give yourselves a chance to even, like for the first time ever, actually process this and think about it.
0: It's true. It's very true. Yeah, a lot of wrestling fans have definitely had this conversation, and we're the first podcast that's going to bring it to light. Yeah. So, as we always start off, before we get into the meat and potatoes of today's episode, we're going to do Shot Fired, Shots Fired, our favorite segment. We've got a couple things we want to talk about, and first and foremost, while we do it, I have to play my sound effects. We are going to talk about the very sudden and setting passing of one of my favorites of all time. Uh, I'm a big heart, heart family guy. Everybody knows that I'm kind of heart Dynasty since day one. Yep. have the privilege of doing the Owen Hart um, uh, podcast, which is available still on our all our platforms. And don't forget, the first 20 episodes are officially gone. They're done. They're archived. No longer available. Yep. 21 and up is available. Still available. Will be available for a very long time. But uh, the sudden and very sad passing of Jim, the Anvil heart at the age of
1: 63. Yes, rest in peace.
0: And rest in peace, my man. And for all our fans out there who don't know how good this guy was, we have one of our all time favorite promos, which we're going to go ahead and play for you now.
2: You know what really irks me? You know what really makes me sick? That is, man. Jimmy Hart has signed on the Fabulous Usuals, but worse than that, He's taking 25%, 25% of my hard earned money. You're nothing but a bloodsucker, Jimmy Hart. You're a bloodsucker, and that's enough? Is that man. enough? Easy, cool down, baby, cool down. That's 25% harder. We're gonna punch him. That's 25% harder. We're gonna slam him. That's 25% harder. We're gonna get
3: the big apples. <laughs> That's twenty five percent! We gotta come on, Jim! That's twenty-five percent
0: on it! So great.
1: So much passion. So much passion.
0: <laughs> that was a clip from nineteen eighty eight, believe it or not. That was the original Heart Foundation, uh, Brett the Hitman Heart and Jim the Anvil Nine Heart, uh, right before their match. Uh discussing the uh well, recent leaving at the time of their manager, Jimmy Hart, and how he's screwing them out of their contract. You
1: screw them out of 25% of their contract. Oh, man. May <laughs> you
0: rest in peace, Jim the Anvil. We'll miss you. So uh, glad that WWE honored you proudly with putting a great collection on the network. If you don't have the network, nine ninety nine a month. 9 a month. And the Jim the Anvil Nine Heart collection is on there. It's got some really great matches. The wife and I watched a couple on and off this week, and, man, not only was he great on the mic, but in ring, he was just like every other Hart. He yep. was a technician and uh you know we wish natty uh the entire Hart family all the love and all the um respect of of their privacy during this time and um uh heaven's got another got another great one and he's up there right now and he's wrestling with owen i guarantee i'm
1: getting a little teary-eyed right now but
0: man oh jim breaks my heart man
1: i'm so sad to see you go however also (laughs) getting on 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 um as if it, it is possible to talk about some sort of a bright notice. The fact that it was 63—that uh, was actually a very longevity. Uh, that's that in terms of, of age for, for a wrestler. That is uh, that is quite longevity as far as I'm concerned. So that's 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 amazing that you're able to to get that long of a life as opposed to uh, many others that did not get to live as long as as uh, as the life that you were able to live, and especially the fact of doing everything that he did with the Hart Foundation. Um, getting a really long, fruitful career of being able to to help—I noticed with a lot of situations that were going on with uh, with everybody within the family of being able to maneuver and puzzle piece himself within storylines and and utilize him getting utilized within right a way. lot of the, the right family storylines—and it was absolutely amazing to see that kind of career and think back and just smile about everything that happened with uh, with Jim the Angel Yeah,
0: it's true, it's great, and I, I hope that uh, you know it sucks that he's passing, but I hope. Uh I hope there's a Hall of Fame induction in the near future because it's rightfully Me too. it's rightfully deserved. Me too, hundred percent. Let's move on to a couple other tidbits we want to talk about. Uh, we're going to plug Greg. We're going to do Mick Foley right now.
1: Yes, and actually, you know what? Uh, just going to go into just a, just a little bit of uh, Jim Neidhart just for for people who okay. just don't really don't okay. really quite re- quite grasp the concept, or even just, nat- just naturally what ended up happening to him in general. Um, this is according to TMZ. Uh, Jim Neidhart's wife, Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth Neidhart told investigators that Jim was having problems sleeping and got out of bed to adjust, his, to adjust the thermostat. Ellie then said that Neidhart went to touch it. He turned weirdly as if he was about to dance and fell to the wall and then fell to the ground. She immediately called 911, believing that he was having a seizure. Uh, that was something that Jim was taking medication for. Neidhart had a four-inch gash on his face when EMTs arrived. He died at the age of 63, according to Pasco. Uh, county Sheriff's Office. The fall was the cause of death, and this is all that from from what uh, I understand. This is this is all that's uh, that's known that's put out there. Whether whatever is true, false, anything like that. Um, just a little bit tidbit idea of exactly what uh, what the case was with Jim's passing. Right,
0: and we know he was battling demons too. We saw it on Total Divas in a couple episodes. Natty helped him get checked in at rehab and stuff like that. So I'm not yes. saying the demons were the cause. But he was definitely battling demons, at least in the later stages of his life.
1: Yes, and we'll we'll get into that in a very 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 shortly. It's just uh, just a couple little tidbits. I got a little. I got four actually tidbits going here. And this is early on in his career. This was following the release from the Dallas Cowboys. The Nighthart. He traveled to Calgary to train with Stu Hart to pursue a career in professional wrestling. He worked for Hart Stampede Wrestling from 1978 to 1983, and began in 1985, during in which he was married to Ellie Hart, one of Stu's daughters. He was a two-time Stampede Inter- Inter- International Tag Team Champion with Hercules Ayala in 1980 and Mr. Hito in 1983. Stu Hart, seeking publicity from Neidhart, promised him 500, $500 to enter and win an anvil toss at the Calgary Stampede. He did, throwing it at 11 feet 2 inches. This earned him the nickname The Anvil, replacing his prior nickname The Animal. Nice. Um Second tidbit was uh, just is is, uh, is 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 joining up with the Hart Foundation and getting the Hart Foundation going. Uh, when Stu Hart sold Stampede Wrestling to Vince McMahon, owner of World Wrestling Federation, uh, Neidhart and Bret Hart uh, they were included in the deal initially in singles initially in singles wrestler uh, as singles wrestler managed by Mr. Fuji. Neidhart debuted on January twenty first, nineteen eighty five, in Madison Square Garden, defeating George, defeating Tony Garea. He wrestled Hart. Who was, who was a cowboy, it was at that time, Brett was a, in a cowboy gimmick, he was upset with the gimmick, and he suggested to McMahon that he form the tag team with Neidhart. And then where that brings us to uh, the reunion with Owen Hart, and then this is when Owen Hart, he became the king of hearts, and came back uh, to, to just be part, once again, like what I talked about before, of just being part of that whole puzzle piecing himself into the storylines of, of all the family members. Uh, Neidhart returned to the WWF at King of the Ring in 1994 as Bret Hart's, uh, cornerman from, uh, his, w- his World Wrestling Federation Championship match defense against Intercontinental Champion Diesel. Neidhart interfered to prevent Hart from winning, the- from being pinned, disqualifying Bret, but allowed him to retain the title. After the match, Diesel and Shawn Michaels beat down Bret Hart and Neidhart didn't ha- didn't intervene. Later that night, Neidhart, uh, Reappeared at ringside again during Owen Hart's King of the Ring tournament final match against Razor Ramon. He attacked Razor outside the ring, behind the referee's back, helping Owen win the match. Owen had been feuding with Bret, and this is the point when Bret and Owen—they were doing their brother versus brother uh, since the Roy- he'd been going back and forth with him since the Royal Rumble. Neidhart believing Bret had held Owen back from his potential, sided with Owen. Neidhart claimed he'd, he'd only help Brett keep the WWF Championship at King of the Rings so that Owen could take it from him. Nice, like it. <clears throat> and then uh, this just brings us to his personal life and a little bit into just de- deconstructing a little bit of the demon that kind of came and followed at, by the end of it. Uh, Jim and his wife Ellie have three daughters, one of whom, uh, one of whom Natty, professional wrestler of course, um, as we all know. Um, Neidhard, unfortunately, he was arrested on September 6, 2010 and charged with two counts of possession of controlled substances with intent to distribute, two counts of trafficking illegal drugs, one count of burglary of unoccupied dwelling, one count of third degree grand theft auto and for grand theft for property stolen from $300 to $5,000. He was arrested after, after becoming aggressive with police and ingesting multiple pills outside a gas station. In March 2012, he was sentenced to five months and 29 days in jail. During the during his sentencing, he was arrested and to help in, he was arrested and held in contempt of court. Neidhart completed two stints in rehabilitation paid for by the WWE. So there we have it. Just a little bit of uh, a little bit of glimpse into the, the demons that was of, of Jim Neidhart as much as a lot of a lot of wrestlers fall victim to it. Um, so I guess in the grand scheme of things, if you do need help, one more time, if you do need help, ladies and gentlemen, please don't be afraid to, uh, to open your mind, open your voice, and, and let people know that uh, there's, there's something going on because your life depends on it 150%. Um, the next thing that we have to get into is uh, there's an Owen Hart documentary that is currently being made as we speak right now. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually been within uh, the last two weeks, last two, three weeks that this has been unveiled. Uh, that was presented to myself and George after hearing our specific podcast of episode 50. Very, very flattering from a gentleman known by, and by the name of Keaton Stone. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can contact him at Keaton Stone. That is his Twitter account. As well as you can, he can be contacted at Owen Hart Film on Twitter. That is also um, very, very new. At Owen Hart Film. Very, very brand new. Um, so, to, to, so just, to, just to keep it, keep in mind that uh, this thing is very, very much at it, it, at, at its infancy. But uh, just to give you an idea, this is actually from the email that was actually the little bit of the gist of it that was. I couldn't have really written it or said it better myself than the way that Keaton had actually presented the documentary to us. Um, uh, the documentary producer. Uh, this is uh, this documentary producer. He's from London, England. Um, He's working on on a forthcoming major worldwide documentary with cinematic release about Owen Hart. This hasn't been announced fully yet, but it's no longer a secret and now he's starting starting this fascinating adventure. This documentary will be a definitive film about Owen and will will be a feature-length production with theatrical release, plus debuting in film festivals, etc. This will be Owen's legacy film that will mark 20 years of his tragic passing next year this documentary is completely in conjunction with Martha Hart and has fo- and has her full blessing. In the film, he will be speaking with a number of former and current wrestling stars and people with significant relationships to Owen throughout his life. Martha has already given him has already given him hours upon hours of her home footage and personal for, and personal photographs for the film. So just to give you the idea of the fact of everything that we talked about with the, the George factually going back finding out everything That Martha was very not forthcoming with when it came to the WWF when it came to the WWE when it came to everything about wanting Owens legacy to be Very much kept in in the dark so therefore there must be a lot of trust that's going with this with this gentleman known as Keaton Stone to have that kind of uh, To to, to have that kind of trust that's built within Martha Um, also he is now trying to reach out to as many people as possible and this is really important for everybody out there to just keep this in mind for anybody who has anything of intrinsic value that they could offer to this. He's trying to get to as many people as possible that knew Owen or were big fans of his and used to go to his matches, etc. Maybe they met him and have stories that they knew that they that uh, the, the stories about that and how he was, etc. um their own footage and photos of Owen even school friends of his that would, he has, that was growing up, etc. Um, he really wants to speak out to as many people as possible and get as many recollections, pictures, footage of, of him as humanly possible to obtain. So he was also wondering if it might be possible to put the word out and let uh, as little appeal on, on the show as humanly possible. So therefore, uh, just really trying to do what we, we can to really just put the word out Get everybody under the get everybody already understanding the concept that Owen Hart's film is being made as we speak. Um, it's at its infancy, but it really it's, it's it's absolutely prevalent. It's really important. If any of you have any information out there, please let this gentleman know. Once again, at Keaton Stone. Yeah, we'll
0: post everything up on the social media pages. After we'll give you his the Twitter handles and all that stuff, yes. and how you can reach out to him with any of your photos, any of uh, maybe even if you've got something signed by Owen, anything that you have. Any, if you any of you out, ever out there have had the honor and privilege of meeting Owen Hart, then this is the guy you want to talk to because 99% of it probably will make it into the film. Yes, probably going to do a photo montage or something cool like that, but just show how many lives Owen Hart touched. And the yep. final thing before we get into the meat and potatoes, is going to make this one real quick, because yep. we're already running behind. Go ahead.
1: Yes, is uh, Mick Foley. Uh, Mick Foley is going to be performing at the Goofy Noofy Pub at, uh, in Fergus, Ontario. And uh, George and myself, we will actually be there. We'll definitely be there, 100%. We're going to be uh, talking to Mick. We're going to be listening to his stories, and this is going to be bringing the infamous 1998 Hell and Cell ma- Hell and Cell World. match come to life.
0: A top five for every
1: fan of the Attitude Era for sure. Yep, Mick is doing a 2018 cross Canada, cross country Canadian tour, and uh, dubbing it 20 Years of Hell. So. Um, just to let you guys know, there's limited seating. There's only 100 tickets available. So if you want to get at uh, anybody, then you will be getting at scorpionentertainment99 at gmail.com. That's scorpionentertainment, all one word, scorpionentertainment99 at gmail.com. You will be uh, speaking to anybody behind the scenes. Let them know that uh, you want some tickets and that you want to go hang out with Mick because you'll be getting, oh, yes, and uh, sorry, just one last little tidbit. Um, the VIPs for this, for this particular event, VIPs include meet and greet, picture with Mick, and two autographed pieces of merch. Sexy. Sexy. (laughs) Sexy.
0: So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, We'll be posting that on our Facebook page right after the show as well. Yes. So uh, it's actually already been shared by the awesome man who's uh, coordinating the event, Greg. uh, Yes.
1: Big shout out to Greg Manley. Big, 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 big shout out to Greg Manley. Greg
0: Manley went ahead and shared that on our page. So, uh, yeah, get at him for all that cool stuff. And that's coming up September 8th. I can't wait.
1: Yeah. Can't wait. (laughs) Like I can't wait to meet you. Honestly, Greg, like, if you're listening to this right now, honestly, dude, can't wait to meet you. Me and Greg, myself, me and Greg, we've been back and forth for a very, very long time. Never had a chance to meet the man, so really looking forward to meeting you and giving you a big hug, bro. Absolutely, and
0: <laughs> cannot wait to thank you so much for hitting us up first before the tickets got released so we can get our action in on that. Absolutely yes. great. Absolutely great. All right, now, the moment you've all been waiting for, the meat and potatoes of today's episode, The New K Fade. One word, but I spaced it for dramatic effect.
1: Right, it okay. needs it needs dramatics, man. Because like seriously, um, wh- when I started to picture this idea in my head, I started to picture just what is the new, what is what would be classified as the new kayfabe, and essentially, well, well first of all, uh, we'll get into the definition of really what is kayfabe because a lot of people like, get kind of misconstrued of that. Unless you're actually within the business and actually the really kayfabe, kind kayfabe, of that girl you meet at the club that one night and you wish you didn't. That's basically what uh, in the in the grand scheme of things the definition pretty much pertains to that. So k fib kind of coincides
0: <laughs> with Coyote Ugly, you know, like uh, you know, Coyote,
1: uh, the definition of Coyote Ugly, right? You know the definition of Coyote actually Ugly? no, I don't. You don't
0: know the definition of Coyote Ugly? Okay, no. a little t- side note, gotta go, gotta go off the rails here for a second. So Coyote Ugly, I know it was a
1: great movie and a lot of it girls was. dancing on uh, dancing on bars, how dancing how on girls?
0: bars, but scantily clad, not nude. Okay, it was performance art. It was not as it was. It looked like performance art. It was performance art. art. So, Coyote Ugly. The reason why the name of the bar came to be the definition that they used in the movie was when you go to a like you go out for a night, you have that one night stand, and you wake up, and the person you thought you went to bed with was not the person yeah. that you realized because you you had your googly drunk eyes on. You had your super drunk eyes on, and you so you'd rather pull a Coyote Ugly, which is gnaw off your own arm before waking them up, right? So you could get the hell out. <laughs> so that, that's what the definition of kind of Why don't European you just was. leave then? <laughs> there you go. Completely useless knowledge that I have. That's that awesome. I have shared with the world. That's
1: awesome. No, there it's you, pretty, you know what? Uh, kayfabe is actually, you know what? It, 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 it's it's kind of, it kind of pertains to that. But more of the definition was um, the ability for, uh, actually, Pat Patterson, Pat Patterson even said it himself, was describing his interaction with a the, with the ring attendant in uh, Pacific Northwest wrestling territory during the early 1960s. Uh, this was a direct quote from it was. I remember the guy who would bring out our who would bring out our jackets from the back into the dressing room. Every time he did, someone would yell "Kayfabe." That one night, the guy decided to stand up for himself and told the whole dressing room, "I don't mind. I I don't mind the yelling, but I don't want to. Le- I but I don't want to let you know that my name is not Kfabe, It's Mark." <laughs> what he What he didn't know is that wrestlers called people outside of the business marks. That's why he kept yelling kayfabe in the first place. Meaning, otherwise meaning that when they used to yell kayfabe like that was the reason that they wanted people to know that those are the people that are not in the know of the business. The good heels, that there were were good guys, there were bad guys. Those guys rode alone. They rode separately because their storylines were just genuinely, nobody wanted them to know that they were just genuine friends, even though they were, were friends in the back. Didn't want people to know that. They wanted people to know that there was heat behind each one of them. So if there was normal people that were walking around in that general vicinity and they were talking like, two human beings, and they saw those people, they would immediately, somebody would be around to yell kayfabe so that they could go right back into their normalities of, you're good, you're the good guy, and you're the bad guy, you're supposed to be treating me like crap right now, so I've got to go back to doing what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, we can't be talking about what steak restaurant we're going to do after the show. Exactly. Right. Get it.
1: Totally exactly. get it. All right. All righty, so, um, the birth... Of the word, pretty much, uh, its various sources have su- suggested that uh, it, the different origins of the term "kayfabe," but the actual origin is not actually known. With the with the, w- within currently, um, one theory suggests that it was derived from the word manipulation. M- yeah, the word manipulation of the term be fake, a la pig Latin or other argots, uh, des- designed mm-hmm. to conceal the true meaning. Other another theory claims that there was actually was a wrestler named Kay Fabian who was a mute. Neither claim to be substantiated. Um, other, another theory suggests that, once again, these are all just general theories that people have drummed up. Yeah, no years. no
0: factual here, guys. I just want to lay that out again. This is not a conspiracy theory episode. We're just laying down something that intrigued us. Yep. That's all we're doing here.
1: Yep. Uh, another theory suggests that the term derives from the expression keep Katie, uh from the Latin verb cavio, which means look out for. This is a phrase that used to be used by Jews in the in East London between World War One and World War Two. Yeah, I could figure that was going to tie into that somehow for sure. Yeah, and uh, per that theory, many U.S. promoters and wrestlers at the time were of Eastern European origin, and many had many had very heavy accents, leading to the term being transformed into kayfabe. The term was doc- was first documented in 1937 in a 1937 book by New York sports writer Marcus Gu- Marcus Griffin. And was described some of the -the behind-the-scenes aspects of professional wrestling. Suggested that the term was already in common with professional wrestling by that time. Um, The actual history of it, um, as we just pretty much, you know what, we pretty much just broke that down in general. The fact that that's really all the history really pertains to is just genuinely when people would just want kayfabe to be alive. And, well, they always just wanted it to be that the good guys versus the bad guys and nobody outside of the industry were supposed to know that they were really, really friends back in, 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 the, in the grand scheme of things in the behind the scenes. Mm. Or whatever the case may be of how they interacted, other than the way that they would interact within the
2: wrestling.
0: If, if I was going to pick any one of those three possibilities of the origin of the word, I'd probably have to go with uh, the second one. The second one seems to be the most factual that I, I would pertain to. Yeah, that I would derive myself to would be this. Out of all those three options, I would say the second one has the most uh, factual truth behind it.
1: Yeah, the, of keep K V, you mean?
0: Yeah, keep K V. Yeah, yep. that, that's the one I would I would say has the most like, lo, look out for. Hey, kayfabe. Yeah, right. and that's I could totally all see a wrestler. Really nice. I could totally see Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon back in the day shooting the crap, and then like the, the garbage guy walks by in the arena, and somebody yells, "Yo, kayfabe!" And they like gives the head nod. They look down the aisle. It's like,
4: hey man, screw you. you
0: know? Exactly. Right back and to then that. Go
1: right back into character.
0: Right. So that that I could totally see that being the uh, the factuality behind the eventual uh, evolution of the word, if mm-hmm. you
1: will. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. What else you got? This is,
0: I'm a, I'm, my mind is getting blown already. <laughs>
1: no, you know what? I just kind of wanted to go through. Um, that was that was pretty much it as far as in terms of what kayfabe actually is. Just wanted to kind of paint that picture for everybody. Exactly what. What exactly is kayfabe, and what is this thing that, especially now with people coming up watching wrestling now, that really have no understanding of what kayfabe is, other than just hearing the word? Just well, kayfabe Kfabe has again.
0: been trans uh, tra- as, as again evolved into so many other platforms, right? Which we're going to get into. We're going to talk about Kfabe with the, the start of where it really came to light, but also talk about the new possibilities and angles of it now. What's truth? What's reality? It's almost like the X Files with wrestling nowadays because you exactly. really don't know anything.
1: Exactly. And
0: with the internet being out there, there's so much stuff that now you can use the internet as a weapon where it could all just be a work. Everything could just be bullshit. Excuse my language. Everything could just be uh, anything. and Even, even when you so watch true, Ride man. Along and all that stuff, even when you watch all those shows on the network, how much of it is real? Is it just Bailey and Sasha having a conversation? Or is it Bailey and Sasha having a conversation? Because they're in a, let's be honest, they're in like a sexy looking SUV. That thing's fully loaded to the crap. GoPros all around. You tell them there's not a dash cam in the front with a producer there. They don't have earbuds in. Okay, guys, you know, let's flip the subject here. Go on to talk about this. I'm gonna throw out this word to you. Talk about this. And then they sit there and they take this hour and a half long car ride, crunk it down to 21 minutes. No, exactly. What what is the reality
1: of it all? Exactly. And that was what kayfabe did back then. Was all all what what people believe is dead. What people everybody says that kayfabe is dead when in Mm -hmm. actuality. I don't believe that I don't believe that in any way shape or form because all kayfabe really was was the suspension of people's realities that's what they were that's what the whole definition and everything behind kayfabe of why it was brought to light in the first place was to suspend everybody's reality of and it was only at that point that they were doing kayfabe to suspend people's reality of the good guy versus the bad guy okay so is it possible that's my question is really just all I threw out there and I kept asking myself over the years of. Is it possible that kayfabe just very simply switched from good guys versus bad guys and people yelling out stuff for people to people yelling kayfabe so that they could go back to their characters when in actuality that was just suspending the belief level of that then what's the suspension of belief level going on now and how the reality of everything of suspending people's realities of what is really truly reality compared to the actual scriptedness of what re- is really going on in the reality that they're trying to portray to the audience. Hmm. Can you crunk it out in 32 minutes? And try. <laughs>
5: All we'll right, totally let's get try. to it. Let's get, let's to, get it.
1: to it. Um, so where, where, where we originate this kind of thing from and what we kind of left off from the last episode was uh, the Montreal screw job. And that was where a lot of these things really started to come to light of really the proper understanding of, okay, we got... So we got a mess going on out here. This looks like a mess, and this doesn't look good. And this looks like they're doing everything off the cuff, and it looks it looks like this is what they're trying to do. But however, don't take my word for it. Let's listen to um, let's listen to uh, Mr. Sean Waldman, aka X-Pac, and Kevin Nash talking about exactly what uh, we were kind of dabbling into last week. Let's hear it some, from some actual professional wrestlers. So
4: right, here we go,
0: guys. This is about a two minute long clip, so buckle up. This is, uh, it's intense. It's
1: crazy.
3: Oh, Try new ad. Signature uh, cocktails.
5: Don't worry, it'll play after the ad, guys. Uh, in a sparkling I had a cue, and I guess I waited <laughs> to see <laughs>
3: it.
1: That's the
0: good thing about <laughs> going live, though. You we're you just, now we're Weapon Schwepp's it's signature cocktails. Kevin Nash
1: is enjoying his signature cocktail of, of, of the wine, so it's kind of works. My bad,
5: guys, I sorry. I about that. And I had to fucking, I hadn't talked to him about 12 years. I was just in Germany with him. I had this fucking theory, I'm like, I know Brett, man, I used to drive with him a lot, (laughs) and he fucking, I just knew he was way too sharp, man, not to see that coming a mile away, I mean, fucking Stevie Wonder could see that shit coming, you know, and so I saw him, and I'm like, Brett, first thing, man, you can't tell me you didn't see that fuck job coming a mile away. As soon as Pat Patterson comes, and you know there's been some issues with the finishing anyways, leading up to it. You know, nobody knew what the finish was going to be, da 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 my blood pressure, medicine Don't anybody get all fucking as hot. As soon as fucking Pat, when it came to me, and said, yeah, this would be a good fucking going into the finish. Sean, get you in your own fucking submission. And then you reverse it on him. I'm fucking A. The antennas would have popped up right there at me. have been the an idea, antennas. Right? And he what basically yeah. kind of alluded to, without actually all out admit, admitting that, he kind of saw it coming. You know, I don't know if that's a big deal. I, I think it was a work. I think that it's quite possible. The whole thing My whole thing was when they, when they showed, like, the whole fucking deal, and they showed Vince come out with his hair messed up, he was selling the punch. Anybody that knows Vince McMahon knows it. A, if Vince McMahon doesn't sell three years of the federal government up his fucking ass, he doesn't sell a fucking spinal fusion. He didn't sell a double quad injury. He's going to sell a fucking punch from one of his boys on fucking film? And he didn't stagger out like like he was on Queer Street, like my. Mind. Okay, so
0: I did, I have something I just got to reiterate. We're, we're go probably going to go over time today, but I just want to throw this out there. We talk about all the people that don't get to be in the Hall of Fame because of past demons. We talk about all the people that are banned for opening their mouths for what happens behind the curtain. I'm doing the quotation handle. You can't see it, but I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. All right. And then here's two guys that are in the inner circle with the son in law. Being allowed to go out there. And first off, neither one is sober in that clip. They're nope. both highest kites or drunk off their asses. But they're allowed to go out there and say all these things. And one of them is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. One of them will most likely be in the Hall of Fame. One of them was in a sex tape with China, which we're not allowed to talk about in wrestling anymore, and is allowed to sit directly behind Triple H in row number two center section of every Hall of Fame the last three years.
1: Gets a montage on 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 WWE twenty four on on for Raw twenty five of giving him Sean Waltman. By the way, yeah, we're X-Men. talking about Xbox and we're the, the guy in the Hall of
0: Fame. If you didn't know, was Kevin
1: Nash. And yeah, K- and the fact that like they gave him a whole montage of showing him going and getting his haircut, hanging out with his new dog, hanging out with all this stuff. When it's like you're the guy that literally went on went publicly went out there to talk about how the Montreal job was a work. Is potentially. Potentially. Whether or not it was actually true or not, it was, it's, it's potentially. But it's, it's clips for. like
0: that that get the conspiracy theorists all riled up. And then they start going on the internet and trying to find this dark web of whatever they can find. Try to piece this stuff together. I could see these obsessed wrestling fans naked in a room with strings tied to pings around <laughs> pictures. Right. Like of a timeline. But the, the fact is, is that you want to talk about the new kayfabe. There it is right there. Two guys who have literally... Uh, been involved with the son-in-law to the owner of the company forever. Yeah. One has more demons in his closet than China ever fucking did. And yet he's allowed to go out there and say this, and hey, let's pay for his haircut. and Let's buy him a dog. And let's put it on camera. <laughs> Bullshit. That right there, 100%, Really, really, if anything... Ties this whole thing together of what is what is it? Because you honestly think for a second, if that was if that was the truth, and Vince McMahon didn't want it known that he would allow this guy to be involved in the company,
1: yeah, hell and, no. And further, uh, for for anyone out there who's sitting back going like, ah, it's just two high dudes sitting around just you know talking shit, and you know that's kind of the way it goes. Guess what? There's been more than one of them that Sean Waldman has gone out there to go do, and let's check that one out right now too. Hopefully,
0: no
4: ad plays. I had these queued. Hopefully. But I want
1: to
0: tap
4: to your okay. cynicism, yeah. you. and Sean. If, if, if there's an ounce of friendship between us, you'll be honest. Montreal. Okay. Work. Good question. Let me tell you why I said it. I'm not. I, I'm but not but a stupid I was the first one center. to bring this whole thing up. Everyone came out well, in a situation where everybody should have crashed into a wall. Uh Brett's leaving. He doesn't want to lose in Canada. Vince needs the belt. What's he going to do? Vince can't pay him. He needs to go jump and make the boatload of money, but Vince needs the belt. Okay, here. Vince wants to do, Vince, here's this heel run now. Okay, he needs to dirty himself up a little bit, let Brett off the hook. It all worked perfectly. Vince gets this incredible heel run. Brett moves off. He's baby-faced because of the deal. How could it not be a fix? Brett, and and, then
5: Brett, and Brett, Brett uh, came out looking like the ultimate martyr. Yes. And And I questioned that, and I questioned Brett when I saw him for the first time. I'm like, Brett, how could you have not saw that coming a million miles away? I know you too well. Right. He goes, Earl told me, and I believed Earl, I believe, Daryl. It's hard for me to swallow that. Brent
4: Hart. His father is Stu Hart. I what know. would Stu Hart have done and said if he said, "Need to belt back?" And, the someone belt. Is, and
5: someone said, "Not tonight, Stu." Here's the thing. What's all right? The, 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 what really smells? Another good question. Is Brett let Sean put him on his own finish in the first place? That far into the match. Yeah. That was t- That was really, you know. I think. The, I think that work was so compartmentalized that the guys that were in on it don't even know who else was in on the work. They claim it was, you know, Hebner,
4: the inner circle, and that's it. If you beat me right now for a title, and uh, you were the director, the, the, the person responsible for, for calling the cameras, what camera would you call? Is camera on me? Is camera on you standing up? What camera are you going to call you just won the title? What was the shot you're going to call your camera? Yeah, a the, shot. shot. After the bell, it was a close-up of Brett's face. So somebody called that camera from the booth.
5: So See, but that's where you know that was like you know your average person wouldn't. Nice, as it's far it's as older, camera yeah. shots, Sorry, and, it's all and you know, I mean, you know, I am
0: not
3: going to argue with you on that.
0: So there's there's more to it to that, but I mean, in that in that clip, he was a lot more sober uh, than um, uh, anything else isolated before. But it, yeah. that that really does give you a breakdown, and those are two fantastic clips you found, brother. But th- that, that really gives you a breakdown of two very different interviews. Uh, one a lot more sober than the other, and one very much more orchestrated. But um, things came out much the same. Mm-hmm. And in that one, we get to see a little bit more in depth. He's right. I, myself, have a film school background, and I have worked in TV studios. And I have seen how the camera angles get shot. And he's right. After a match, you want the money shot. You want that glory shot. You don't want the shot of the guy yeah. who looks completely pissed off.
1: Nope. All they did was they made a movie out of the end. If you go back and you really watch that, you watch the end of that Montreal Screwjob. And this isn't something that I sit around playing tinfoil hat or conspiracy theorist over. This is reality. You do have a
0: tinfoil hat to let the people know you have a tinfoil
1: hat. A little bit. I used to. (laughs) You know what? I used to. But then I I got to a place where now I actually only look at... I I only want what makes sense. I don't want any more... What goes off of one story that I just heard once or, you know, the fact of just what I watched once off a YouTube video and now I just know all of it and now I'm going to tell you everybody You want the
0: entertainment, it. but you want the truth to an extent behind the entertainment.
1: Yeah, I kind of want it. And, and at the exact same time, if I never know the real answer, it's just really interesting shit to think about when you actually really piece it together. The fact that how else in the world would they have put this thing together the way that they did it? had it not come out when you look at the outcomes for what happened with both individuals now mind you Brett he yes of course there was the concussion well, all three and got just... look at all three
0: you got to look at how Brett came out you got to look at how Sean came out of it yeah and you got to look at how Vince came out of it like that guy said in the clip there Vince got the uh, immaculate heel run Sean went on to WrestleMania had a, a little uh, uh, tidbit with Tyson yeah Who at the time was like the dirty like the most ignorant person in the world yeah people loved him but at the same time everybody hated him because he bit somebody's ear off He was literally a human cannibal. And then you look at Bret Hart, goes over to WCW, and like he said, he's a human martyr. As wrestling fans, we all felt sorry for Bret Hart
1: and we all felt sorry for Brett and then it was amazing how it's like all they had to do was just all they had to do was just hang him out on a line and let him, let, him, let him do what he needed to do for himself cuz all he did was just complain about it for for another year. It was literally oh. like every promo was literally just him complaining about it in the same respect of the way that he used to conduct himself of what that everybody knew of the way that straight up that how Brett was a whiner back then about absolutely everything he needed everything about his character protected he needed everything about his outcome and the way that everything worked for him. He needed his outcome. And this is by his own self-admission. If you go and listen to even any shoots that Brett's doing about himself now, he talks about the concepts that I was really selfish then. I did think about myself only then. I did have a lot of demons and I did hold on to a lot of uh, stuff. And It's just you know, funny all that all a documentary
0: was being made at the exact same time. Sorry yes. to touch you off. But it's just convenient, convenient as well. that a documentary, and it wasn't a great documentary. It was actually a very boring documentary other than the last 30 minutes. Yeah. But it sold like wildfire. I have the DVD somewhere, for sure, I still do.
1: Oh, but here's, here's the conclusion that I really come out with it at the end of this, So the fact of just, like, you know, you, you, you listen, and if it, if it works, then that's great. If not, then, like, you know, tell me I'm crazy. But the fact that um, when you have two individuals, and this goes back not just to the Montreal screw job, this goes back months before in the fact that Sean was coming up and Sean was becoming the new babyface. Brett is also the babyface. And so, therefore, they can't have two big, 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 huge baby faces. Everybody knows that when you're on the top of the mountain, you got to stay on top. And that's the way that that works. So, what's the best thing to do? Is when you have two people that's working for the company, and especially when you have one of them that doesn't have, want anything to do with having any kind of understanding of having their character changed in a respect of the way that other people see that character being changed. If you're only working for yourself, the best way to get rid of that individual let them walk themselves, let them, let that person walk the plank themselves. And let the person just kind of do what they're going to do, and everybody else around will see it, but I need this guy turfed in the best way that I know how, and the best way that I also know to change my character as well, being Vince McMahon, wanting to change his character from a good guy to now he needs to be a bad guy. So what's the best way to be a bad guy? If he already knows and pre-plans that, okay, I'm going to go up against Austin, because there's no way that they just made up Vince McMahon and Steve Austin it just kept oh we are just going to try this every week no 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 this was a methodically thought out thing that was planned for a while because you in order to make this kind of money you need to understand the terminologies and or the terms in which you're going into with a McMahon versus Steve Austin when you even think of that conceptualization of that idea if even conceptualization is even a word, but when they conceptualize, it's a word, it's a word. When it was conceptualized, yeah, when you you conceptualize the idea of Steve Austin and and Vince McMahon, they were literally shitting their own pants when they came up with the idea, let alone the ability to be able to pull us off every week. All you have to do is think of the concept of a boss versus his employee. Guess what? That's worth millions of dollars. So therefore now we have a third party in which we need to get rid of. that can't be a part of this anymore but however we can make this guy out to look like the hero because he wants to leave the hero so we'll let him leave the hero but i'll also make myself this pure antagonist this big piece of crap that everybody just wants to everybody wants to wring their neck every to bring this guy's neck every single week and that's what we got with all these out these all these amazing outcomes and the way that everything happened with the montreal screw job mm-hmm. now mind you mike michaels got a lot of heat for what ended up going with it but michaels also seemed like the kind of guy that uh, was from the, his he personality.
0: The he thrived on the heat.
1: Yeah, he yeah. already had that amount of heat going for himself anyway, and he was already a piece of crap to a lot of people that was going on in the back, to his mentality, to his ego, egotistical mentality that he would care about himself all the time. He already had that product of heat really going on in the back. So as far as I'm concerned, when you tack on the extra heat that really didn't even matter much to the way that Michael's already had his heat, the way that the change happened with Vinnie Mac and how he needed to turn heel and how Brett needed to lead the hero. he Vinnie Mac is a genius, ladies and gentlemen. The, there, he is more of a genius than people will ever really consider or realize or understand for really the way that that thing, may, he, he understood very well that if we make a movie at the end of this and I'm able to take these camera angles, these very specific camera angles, because Vince McMahon himself in that movie, Wrestling with Shadows, that was his full first admission of the concept and when all he was asked was what do you guys do here vinnie mack just very simply responded with we make movies and continued drinking his water because that's he knows that that's all that they make so why the hell wouldn't you want to make this part into the most ultimate movie that you've ever had in the history of any kind of movie making scenario that they've ever put in front of the world i think um i think sorry are you done.
0: Yeah, and that's pretty much it. Okay, I think you're you're right. I agree with you, but at one point I kind of disagree with you, and here's the reasons why. Sure. Um, the Mister McMahon versus Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, probably one of the greatest, um, like literally, storylines of the Attitude Era for sure. It was the whole Attitude Era, in in essence, was that. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus the NWO versus everybody else on the other side, but um, I think. I don't know if that, uh, this might have been a work leading up to that, but I think a lot of that developed very organically, and I only say that was because you don't know who you're going to have chemistry with or who you're not going to have chemistry with. So getting Brett out of the way opened up the Mr. McMahon doorways, and obviously with every villain you need a hero, and sometimes you need that anti-hero. You need Mm -hmm. that person who doesn't want to be a hero, but he likes to annoy the other individual over here. And I do think that this developed, but I I honestly think the work might have been for Sean and Vince and because Sean was wrestling with demons at that time as well, I think after it became clear that, okay, Austin's going to be the guy. Austin's got to be the guy. Once Austin became the guy, then that developed organically, but I don't think it was ever planned for it to be Austin at that moment. I believe it was supposed to be Sean, because in my eyes, the way I see this movie playing out is everything happens the way it's supposed to happen, but then Sean comes out and says, I had no part of this. You made me look bad. You ruined my friendship. So now, the gloves are off. And I'm coming after you, Vince McMahon. Mm -hmm. Because all the demons that were happening, his back issues, so forth, they needed to flip the switch and flip the hero. So I think that Austin was the backup. But the goal point, or the the focal point after the Montreal Screwjob, was always going to be Shawn Michaels. And I just think the demons and the back issues got in his way. Yeah. That's... That's the way I see it. So I I do see the kayfabe format of it, but I see it was supposed to be that way. When I look at the story for what it really truly is, and I break it down, it was supposed to be A, but it ended up just organically becoming B, because B worked out so much better anyways.
1: And I actually, I do, and I do agree with how it it is, it it became that kind of organic through time, simply because I believe that Sean was actually, was supposed to be the guy. That he was going to move forward with Sean, and unfortunately um, because even even in Sean's own admission of uh, the all these years later of doing shoots of uh, the fact that he really oh, didn't he was, know he, he didn't was know not where, sober
0: oh, half of the time when he was behind the stage yeah we know
1: this the the the, the of, of who the actual person that Sean Michaels really was to the character that was Sean Michaels you didn't you didn't have a clue of really where this this thing began and where it ended so as far as I'm concerned Um, I think that's what was the initial downfall of what ended up transpiring with Sean that he was supposed to be him and like you just said of all the demons just kind of caught up and it was really a, a mentality of you're going with this but then like you know only the few days later that really it just comes to like anybody's mind that would really think to themselves of entrusting an entire company behind a certain individual. Do I really want this to be my guy? That's really going to go well. To it's like Shawn Michaels' right now. eyes
0: now. Do you want the eye that points straight, or the eye that always seems to look a little bit to the right? Right. Which Which one you want? Ah, <laughs> uh, you one-eyed bastard! I love you. <laughs> that, that, all right, I let's. Uh, that kind of... So that I mean, that's the Montreal Screwjob. We can go on and on for hours. Yeah, on but that. yeah, that's
1: that's pretty much that. You know what? That's that's pretty much the grand scheme of things. Of so when you when you add up um, all the storyline changes, when you add the personal changes. That happened with them when you when you look at the amount of skyrocket financially that went on with the company When you also look at the certain specific movie making camera angles that they specifically went with specifically showing Vince McMahon For the majority of it when he got spat on when he got you know when showing Brett when he was going out of his way to trash Everything making sure like they could have shut all that shit off They could have shut every bit of that camera off and been like no get out of here. Stop it. Stop. Stop filming and that's, that would have been the play. If it was that real, there was no way that they would have allowed all of that to be as vigorously promoted camera angle-wise as the way that they did it and they shot it and the way that they put it all together. So as far as I'm concerned, um, yeah, I believe that the, the, I, uh, my we, belief is that X-Pac is absolutely right, that there is is that work was so compartmentalized that even the people that were involved in it actually had no idea, unless you were Vince McMahon and like Pat Patterson and... Like just these two specific people, the every other word that's being uttered to everyone else is literally helping to make this work a work in the way that it's supposed to go and make it as real as humanly possible.
0: Yeah. I think you're. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the coffin. I mean, we could go on for hours, but this ties into our last segment, and then yes. I think we'll briefly touch on some new possibilities in Cape Fabe currently. But let's bridge on to the next subject. So this one here is, um, if I could set the scene on this one, is this the WCW? and yes. w- Okay. So this one is the merger, if you will, of WCW and WWE. And the what if factor here is, what if when Ted Turner called Vince McMahon and said, hey Vince, I'm in the wrestling business, that Vince laughed and said to everybody, hey guys, listen, I gotta take this call. Everybody could shoot out of the office. The phone comes off speaker, and Vince says... Not only does he say, well, I'm in the entertainment business, he says, hey, Ted, you want to make a lot of money? And then when it's all said and done, I'm going to take your company, I'm going to shut it down, and I'm going to, you're going to keep all my old guys, and I'm going to bring up new talent, and then I'm going to close your doors, and I'm going to let the old guys move into retirement mode. Mm -hmm. Everybody out there is probably going, everybody out there is probably going,
3: Talk about turning a negative
0: into a positive. So to to your subject, because this is is what really, this was the conversation before the conversation that steamrolled the what if episode. Yeah. This kind of ties into that. What if that conversation had an extension to it? And that conversation was, hey, Ted, you want to make a lot of
1: money? That's the question that I kept asking myself for a very long time. I just
0: literally heard every wrestling fan's head go... Explode.
1: (laughs) That's the story they keep telling you, ladies and gentlemen. and And it's great. It's a fascinating, it's a riveting, epic story. It is so good, in fact, that there was probably something extra that went on with it. Maybe, maybe not. But at the same time, from the presentation of evidence, that is very, very, very glaringly obvious that there was more to it than very simply just... Vince McMahon making fun of a guy making fun of a billionaire named Ted, and that they're both playing both of themselves on their separate shows, showing montages of themselves, making fun of each other, and everyone else going, whoa, wait a minute, you don't mention the other company? You don't, you don't, you don't mention number two. If you're number one, then you stay number one. You don't mention number two. What oh, would you do. Oh, but, but you do. do. If you want to make money. Exactly. Should we play the clip? Can I play the clip? And you go right ahead, sir. Alright, this is... Uh this is Eric Bischoff on Stole Cold
0: Steve podcast, and we're talking about the end of WCW. This is, I believe, uh when Bischoff was trying to raise funds to purchase WCW from uh Ted Turner. Yes. Okay, here we go.
2: They you were Monday night show, two hours. Went to three. I think we started three, then we went to two. But Okay, you then, know, then you get thunder dropped on you. We get thunder dropped With on you. Live ass television. But but then so what happened uh during the Attitude Era, we really started cranking up the volume. And I started kind of really coming into character. Uh, DX got hot and everybody kind of uh, came on the heels. But we, I guess we pretty much took the restrictors off and we were able to go seemingly creatively uh, uh, in a much more aggressive direction than y'all were able to go. Was that the icing in the cake on the, the downslide? I'll give you my perspective. Go ahead. And, and this was, and I don't think I've ever shared this anywhere. Maybe I have. Um, not sure if I covered the book or not. But we were talking about, taking flying lessons earlier, and I, would, I remember it was in January or whatever it was, maybe whenever it was, It was I was down in Orlando, Florida, finishing up my pilot training, and a guy who was now passed away by the name of Zane Bresloff, and I don't know if he knew yeah. Zane or not. Barely. But Zane had worked for WWE a long, long time ago, and he came to work for, for WCW. He was, he was a promoter. He was yeah. a local promoter in Denver, but he, he, he became a very good friend of mine. And he still knew a lot of people who are very high levels in WWE. And we're, you know, we're our a and everybody's doing great. And I remember Zayn called me one afternoon when I was in, in Kissimmee taking flying lessons. He goes, Eric, you're not going to believe what they're doing. And, and, and in my mind, these all, these things all kind of happen close together. He said, you know, they're going to spend...
5: Who is
3: Carl Icahn? Ugh. And why did Time Magazine... Ad, the ad master of
4: the- Long
2: clip. A boatload of money doing a Super Bowl ad they were almost out of business. Last I heard, they were pulling the water coolers out of the building because they can't afford to put the water in them. Now they're doing a Super Bowl commercial? I said, wow, that's crazy. And you were getting hot, really hot right about then. And then he called me back, I want to say the same day, but it might have been a couple of days was, oh, you're not going to believe this. They're doing a deal with Mike Tyson. What? And Mike Tyson was gold right at that time. So I think it was a combination... I, I don't know what was going on there at the time. You, you, you obviously have much... You were closer to it than I was, clearly. But it's like anything else. It's no one thing. It's a combination of a series of things. But I think between whatever the mental process was or creative process of going, okay, take the blinders or take the strengths off. Go compete. Let's bring in Mike Tyson. Stone Cold Steve Austin's becoming a great character. You know, Vince is going to turn heel... You know, there's just all these major shifts that were happening just boom, 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 one right after another. I knew at the end of that phone call when I heard what you guys were doing based on and, and then watching you get hot, I knew right then we were, we were toast. I knew it. What, what did y'all do? I mean, uh, so we didn't do anything. and I couldn't do anything. And that was a frustration for me. And that's where my head started to snap because at the same time you guys were doing that, I had a bunch of executives from Time Warner who had never watched seven seconds of wrestling telling me what wrestling was going to be like on the network. So not only could I not compete with WWE at the time or you guys, I couldn't keep my own boat from sinking.
0: And he just goes on from there. But, I mean, in a nutshell, if you think about it, why did Time Warner come in? Why was it so easy for Time Warner to merge with Turner Television? Why was the sale to Vince McMahon so easy when Bischoff... I mean, we could have gone longer with that clip, but there's a lot lot of stuff to cover. But why was everything so easy? And yeah. I think, and I think you've, you've laid this into perspective between you and me in closed-door conversations. But I think, and run with me on this for a second. Sure. I think that WCW was NXT version 1.
1: I agree. WCW. I think actually ECW was was NXT part one, and then we get into and then WCW was part two.
0: Well, no, I'm gonna
1: say I'm gonna
0: say it opposite. I'm gonna say WCW was was part one. And here's the reason why: because you had the veteran talent, mm-hmm. you had Hogan, you had Macho Man, you had Ric Flair, you had all the old school guys, all the legends in a show. But then you had these up and comers trickling through the workhorses, mm-hmm. the guys who were supposed to go out, shut their mouths, have great matches, and not talk. And then you had the guys in ECW that were the risk takers, the guys that weren't supposed to be the atypical wrestler, i.e. the Dudleys, i.e. Taz, not built like tanks, but could fight. Yep. And that's what drew that's what drew me to it, because again, I'm a big boy. I like to see other big boys fuck people up. Mm-hmm. That's what I get. That's why I gravitated right away to ECW. I loved the Dudleys, I loved all those guys. And when they came up, WCW put their WWE, sorry, put their sprinkle on it, and they were never really the same. Uh, but you take that attitude. And you move that to WWE to directly compete with WCW, who's only running on the old school talent. So, what if the outsiders were always the outsiders? Okay, Hall and Nash, you want to go? Cool. Here's your final paychecks. Here's a little extra. Go over there. Get your guaranteed money. Do your thing. Do me a favor. Blow it up. And they did. Yeah. The minute Hall and Nash went over there, WCW was relevant and exciting. But as quickly as they were, three years later, Kevin Nash is head booker. Yeah. And Kevin Nash is screwing everything up. The last year of WCW, he ran it into the toilet because he knew he could. And who's the first guys you saw once the sale happened and they got past the invasion angle? It's the first guys you saw come out of the curtain. It was the
1: NWO. It was pretty much... uh, And it was also Bischoff. It was a little bit further off, but then we eventually, yeah, we saw the NWO. And we saw Bischoff. Bischoff was really soon. He was only about a month in. It was only literally after about a, a month or two after he bought the, the after WWE bought the Was company. the invasion
0: angle that short? Because I don't remember seeing Bischoff till after the invasion angle. Yeah, or sorry, yeah, it
1: was after the invasion angle. So
0: I think it was about four months. It was about
1: four months. Yeah, four months. And just, then just in my head, it literally felt like not long. It only felt like a like a very short period of time. From so the do, time yeah, of the you, to when you're now you're the raw general manager.
0: How do you shut up how do you shut up the one guy who's on the outside and knew everything and could blow you all up? You bring him in. Exactly. You bring them in. You pay them. You shut him up. Yeah. And that's what Vince McMahon did. And again, this is all conspiracy. We don't have actual fact on this. But if you guys follow the tax, follow the strings, it all well, makes sense.
1: Well, this went back from uh, this is this is actually an article that I found from uh, March 6, thousand nine. This is from Adrian, Adrian uh, Strawhill um, from. Uh, oh my goodness! What's uh, what exactly? This is uh, this is a, a breacher, as a matter of fact. Um, the question has always been asked: Who killed WCW? But it's what killed WCW. I agree that some some professional wrestlers wouldn't pass the torch, and that hurt WCW in the end. But it wasn't who; it was what killed WCW. The company was done long before Russo arrived, and that's a that oh my god, that's such a huge conversation that I'm so done with. Russo did not do anything to it. This is exactly I couldn't. Have, when I read this article, this hit every nail on every single thing that I've been thinking of from the past and watching WCW in general. The last Monday Night War they were, they won was September '98 when Flair came back. One full year before Russo arrived, Russo tried to help the company. The what killed the company was that they never made new stars. People loved Hogan, Goldberg, Nash, and all of them at first, but they got tired of it. People loved Austin and Rock and Foley too, but at least, WCW, at least WWE, they added people to the list as they went on to give the product a fresh look and keep people interesting. WCW never did that. They brought in new faces, but they stayed at the bottom. What if, like you just said, what if, the reason WCW was conceptualized and created—this and is oh my goodness—I've been asking myself this question for a very long time, and I got very excited the very first time I ever conceptualized this, probably about eight years ago, probably about eight nine years ago. Was the concept of WCW was very simply a hub for every single older wrestler that Vince McMahon could no longer hold on to because they needed to make new stars. So therefore, when you don't have an ability. To have that full of a roster of exactly what we see today, of what's going on today in the multi, um, oh my goodness, the amount of people that are on that roster. That's what we would have been staring down the barrel of back then had Vinnie Mac been signing all of them, keeping all these guys, couldn't afford, apparently, quote unquote, to pay them all, but was able to schlep them off. They let them go to this this one company. That all eyes were specifically just on them So they never lose their spotlight Which is exactly what the old timers They always wanted They never wanted to lose their spotlight But they need a hub for all these new guys To come in and start making new guys And essentially in the NXT way That we see them generating the WWE Making a wrestler machine Of the way that we see it in NXT today Um, what, What I'm presenting Is the concept that what if those stars that were being held down in WCW were held down purposely because they were supposed to always inevitably just come over to WWE so that they would have their ideals of being able to make their stardom. They, they learn from here and this is their hub of where they learn and then they go to WWE and that both of them, every every company that or, or everyone that has gone floated back and forth to both companies and men- made mention of how very different they both are and how one of them was very much almost discouraging them to the point of making them, forcing them to leave to go to this other company that treats them very well, that does all these things, that does everything right, that does everything that does this massive appeal to not only want to run away from this company but to always only want to be a WWE star, to only be a WWE superstar. So therefore why the hell wouldn't you just make a company that only produces young stars and has this one company that gives only for the time stars for the legends make this one thing called the NWO don't change a thing run it into the complete ground and then once you get it to the point where now you're you're showing off all these stars that are completely talentless they'll just run the company right into the ground anyway ratings will go down so low that people won't even want to tune in to the point that now we can just pass it off sell off the company and now make it to the point where we take all those same stars that were from over here and now you have the choice. We'll make it seem like they have their choice of if they want to run their contracts or if they want to come or if they want to stay. Leave it to the wrestlers to make it think, make them think that this is this crazy Monday Night War, especially when you have, not only do you, is it a coin phrase, but now it's actually got its own TV show. Now it's got its own, oh my goodness, the sky's the limit of just how far everything. that they yeah. pushed yeah. this yeah. to make this a thing where in actuality, um, I believe that that's, that's always just naturally been like one of the, what, what would be the biggest storyline in the history of storylines? That one.
5: Are
3: you kidding me?
1: Cause it's true. It's, it's,
0: it's factually a hundred percent. true in our point of view, in our point of view. So I, I guess I'll leave you with just two words. What if? What if? That's all. What if? So, now we've taken off our tinfoil hats. We're back to reality. Uh, before we go, we do have one more clip we're going to play. That's just more for our personal entertainment. Another great Paul Heyman promo coming up. And this one's a shoot on Vince McMahon. Man. Before we get into that, we're going to highlight what is coming up. Because you know what? The hottest party of the summer is upon us. SummerSlam Summerslam. literally 48 hours away. Tomorrow is NXT at 8 p.m. on the WWE Network for Steve. Nine ninety nine, nine ninety $9. $9. $9. nine, and I thought it was Sunday... nine
1: seventy nine or something like that. No, it's nine ninety nine. It's nine ninety $9.
0: nine. So Steve and I will also be doing our awesome uh, uh, pre show for SummerSlam, breaking down the entire card. We'll also run through a little bit of the NXT results. So hashtag there will be spoiler alerts on Sunday's show, and we'll also be going live on Facebook and Instagram. So, you can yes. check us out on that, or are we going live on all three? Twitter as well, or?
1: Uh, we can go live on all three. All right, live on all three. If We're we gonna... don't get all three, it'll at least be Facebook, Instagram, 100%.
0: Wait, 100%, and that's going to be 2.30 on Sunday. We're going on 2.30 or 2 o'clock? 2 o'clock? 2.30? 2.30. 2.30. We're going to go 2.30 on. M. 2.30 p.m. 2.30 p.m. We're going to do that right before the kickoff show starts for WWE, which is at 5 p.m. And then next Friday's episode will be... Uh, we're actually going to dabble into the man that maybe or maybe not saved and destroyed wrestling all in the same time, Vince Russo. That's episode 53. We're going to break down our thoughts and opinions on Vince Russo. And this is one I have been salivating for because we kind of wanted to tie Sam Roberts and Vince Russo in on Cornette and Meltzer, but we decided to just focus on Cornette and Meltzer out of respect because those two are... The biggest guys when it comes to the anti-hero in wrestling, if you will. Uh, The guys that have the two biggest mouths and yet still make a ton of money. Yet people hold no credibility to either of them. So That's episode 53. That'll be next Friday. Don't forget to tune in for our SummerSlam pre-show on Sunday. And uh, I guess that's it, right?
1: That's pretty much it, my brother. Well, before we
0: leave, let's have a little fun and entertainment. As we listen to the iconic Paul Heyman smack around Vince McMahon. Okay.
3: A billionaire, the billionaire Vince McMahon, the creator of sports entertainment. I've waited so long to see you face to face like this. And I've waited so long to tell you here face that I hate your stinking guts. But it's not just me. It's your children that hate your stinking guts, Vince. And at Survivor Series, your children are going to do to you what I have waited my whole life to see somebody do to you, Vince. You are, so help me God, the most disgusting, vile son of a I've ever seen in my life.
0: The word was bitch, ladies and gentlemen, that bleeped out. And that was during a time when that could be said on TV. Hulk Hogan's
3: blood! Billionaire, (laughs) but not a self made billionaire like you like to tell everybody you are. Oh no, see, you're a billionaire on other people's hard work. Your father, your father, Vince McMahon, your father went around the country and shook the hand of every. You know, I'm telling the truth, don't you? You know, in your heart, I'm telling you the truth that your father shook the hand of every promoter in this country and swore to them that he'd never compete against them, that his son would never compete against them. And when your father died, you competed. And with your ruthless, merciless, take-no-prisoners attitude, you drove everybody out of business, didn't you, Vince? You ran all the competition to the ground and you stole all their ideas and you made yourself a billionaire out of it. And you know whose ideas you stole the most, Vince? You stole mine. See, I don't give a damn about Don Owen and Sam Muchnick and Jim Crockett. I I care about what you did to me and my family. How you stole my dreams. How you stole my legacy. How you stole everything that ECW represented. Because while the Clown had a, a green hair and a rubber nose. Stone Cold Steve Austin was drinking his first beer in ECW, damn you. While Bobby Heenan and Gene Okerlund were dancing around, singing Tootie Fruity, ECW was producing the edgy TV that you named Attitude. Oh, we got Attitude. You got nothing, man. What you got is my ideas, and you stole my life, my body, my legacy.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, oh. the new kayfabe. Oh. If that doesn't
3: blow
0: your mind and make you want to have a cigarette, what what wouldn't? Right? What wouldn't? And that's a <laughs> great way to end this. We could really go on forever about this, but we can't. Because we got to leave them wanting more.
1: Nope, and to tell you the truth, um, that's, all that's all I really want to leave you with. wanted to go into a big, long-ass description of really everything that just went down, everything you just heard, but if you listened and paid attention at all to this episode, the only thing that we, we want to leave you with, ladies and gentlemen, for the rest of this night is that was the new kayfabe.
0: That's right, and don't forget that if you did not pay attention and listen, that's okay, because you can now get this episode on all our platforms, which will be listed on our outro. Until next week, episode 53, our full shoot on Vince Russo. Take care. Don't forget, this Sunday, 2.30, live, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And, of course, always on our platform provider, Spreaker, we will be breaking down the SummerSlam card for the biggest party of the summer. Hashtag AJ Styles. Peace out, guys.
1: Thank you all so much for tuning in. Catch us every Wednesday at 7.30 on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Also be sure to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling and Twitter at underscore straight talk. Wrestling!